What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Abdu Sar, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews you get, the more it helps new people find the show and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Abdu Sar. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Abdu Sar. And Abdu is the co-founder of Film3D, aka Filmed, which is a photography app available on the iPhone. And with the app, you can take stereoscopic 3D images, which before the app was a very expensive thing to do. And I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast today to talk about his whole journey. Thanks Welcome. for having me. My pleasure, man. Welcome to the podcast. So I want to start, I want to go all the way back kind of a little bit of your coding background. I think I saw somewhere that you started coding in the fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it was like the super duper classic coding story where it's like, I've just always loved computers, especially from a really young age. And um, we had these robots in elementary school. It was like these Lego robots. You could program them. They would like move around, run into walls, stuff like that. And then so um, what ended up happening was that I just learned to program using these robots and I got super obsessed with programming in general. So not even on robots. And I was like going through elementary school, then going through middle school, playing video games, classic Minecraft stuff. And then in Minecraft, I started making my own servers. And then I was like, well, definitely there's a way to cross over business and software here. So I started uh, making these really cool plugins using software for the servers. And then um, people would come play with them and then they'd actually pay money to use them. And then so that's where I really got that taste for business and the consumer experience and then software as well. And then so that led me into developing iOS apps in high school. So I released out uh, my first app in uh, the 11th grade, I believe. And then, yeah, it's just been a whole different story since then. And so that app was Celestial, right? Exactly, yeah. So Celestial was a relaxation app. It used uh, frequencies to help people relax. And I just released it out for my friends and family. But then it just took off without me knowing it. And then next thing I know, like Snoop Dogg was tweeting about it. And then things got super crazy from there. That's wild. So first, like back to like, why is that the app that you first started with? Like, why was it to help people calm down? Like, where did that idea come from? Yeah. So when I was like learning how to make apps, I wanted to get as much experience as possible without putting something out into the app store. So what I ended up doing was I was making like, I think somewhere around 100 apps just to get like a skill for it and see like, okay, here's all the different areas that I can cover. And then out of all of them, I, well, I was working on one that was for like uh, relaxation. Then I noticed with the frequency part, that popular science uploaded an article that was like, Frequency relaxation is going to be the next big thing. It's super duper easy to use. And also it just gets the job done the most efficiently. And then so I was like, okay, well, I definitely have to just reskin this current relaxation app and start adding frequencies into it, which would be the really cool thing. So I ended up just making the entire app based around frequencies. That's crazy. So I was in the top 10, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I ended up passing apps like Angry Birds, Twitter. It was like super crazy. That's insane. And you like, you did some growth hacking for that, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So with the growth hacking, sorry, the growth hacking aspect of it. Um, so the app store is super interesting in the sense that you can have all these big apps on the charts, but what it really comes down to for how you're placed on the charts is the number of downloads you're getting per some sort of set time interval. And it's changed a lot since the days of Celestial, but back then it was um, per hour or per every 30 minutes. So what I was able to do is I was creating out these uh, these Facebook chats and like 
just blasting everybody at once with the link and then doing it in batches that way like so every single hour like a set amount of people would go into the app because i'd like pre-hyped it so much that when i end up setting out the link then people would automatically go check it out and so that worked out really well because then by having those people in batches always going and downloading the app and just growing the number of people per hour that were using it then um, it was able to trick the algorithm to just sending it further into the charts. And then using that, I would just send that over to the press and the press would talk about it, then that would bring more people into it. And then it was this nice little uh, circle where essentially people would keep coming into the app and then that would boost it higher throughout the charts. That's awesome. So then how did, so like, what's the story behind the Snoop Dogg shout out then? So that one I still don't fully know. All I know is that I was in English class one day and then I saw a notification come up on my phone because uh, I had notifications turned on for the mention of Celestial and App together. And then so I saw that it was a tweet from Snoop Dogg and I had to do like four double takes because I was like, there's no way that he just talked about that. And then, um, yeah, I looked at it, just started freaking out, had to excuse myself from class and then sent it out to everyone that I knew. That's awesome. So like, where is Celestial now? Like, Did you close the app? Did you sell it? Like what ultimately happened? Yeah. So Celestial ended up getting run by a group of uh, private people. So they turned it into this really cool software where um, these different medical practice offices could use the sound libraries that powered the app before and so that wasn't really in the form of an iOS app. But then um, recently I got back the naming rights to it. That way, like, if I ever do want to release uh, Celestial again in the future, I can. Is that ever something that you think you'd do? It depends. It depends. If, like, everything goes well with the other projects and then I have some time, then I'll definitely be super interested in um, getting Celestial back out into the store. And you, all, you also have experience developing software for Shopify and Canopy Growth, correct? Yeah. It's like, what's the story behind those? So with Shopify, what ended up happening was that because of the success of the app, I started getting into contact with some of the recruiters over there. And then um, I didn't expect anything to really come from it because I was just like a 11th grader. I think I was like 17 or 16 years old. And then what ended, up ha- what ended up happening was that they offered me at first actually a position for growth marketing. So it wasn't even development. And then the only problem with that was that it was down in Toronto. So I went up to my parents and I was like, hey, I'm in 11th grade, it's summer. I want to move down to Toronto uh, alone and just work at this company. And obviously, you know, they were like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so then I asked them, like, okay, what positions do you have in Ottawa? And they're like, okay, well, we also noticed that you did iOS development. So um, I ended up becoming an iOS developer for them. And then so that was super interesting because I was able to do a bunch of different teams there, not even just mobile apps, but I was working on the retail point of sale team at first. And I was working on the culture team and then the partnerships integration team and then ended off on the shipping team. That's crazy. So what are you, can you share any kind of like things you worked on there? Is it all kind of like, um, definitely one of the coolest things that I had the opportunity to work on was the, um, the frenzy app. So I got to do a little bit of stuff there. Like we were playing around with the ability to, um, use audio waves to trigger a sale inside of the app. So say if you were like at a concert, then like there'd be like an audio signal that goes out and that starts up a frenzy sale. And that was by far definitely the coolest project that I worked on. Sadly, didn't make it to production, but it was just like, it taught me so much about uh, like bringing new technology to the consumer experience. And then, um, so that was super duper interesting to work on. That's awesome. And then so ultimately, how did you meet your co-founder of Filmed, Mo? Yes. So that story is always funny because um, Mo and I went to the same middle school, went to the same high school, but um, we never really talked too much. It was only up until uh, we started trying out for the curling team. And then we both really, really sucked at it. And uh, we both realized that we sucked at it. And that's kind of how the bond started forming. And so we were talking more and more on the team. And then um, he's one year above me. So he was the student council president for his year. And I was the student council president for mine. But then all throughout high school, we were always doing student council stuff. 
And then it was really in like those later years after the curling team where we really started interacting more on student council, getting a feel for how our work ethics are and how we team up together. And then we really started noticing um, like Mo's going deeper into his photography and uh, he was noticing that I was going deeper into app development and development in general. And then so we knew that we had to work on something at some point. But um, yeah, it was only really in university where that spark kind of struck where we're like, all right, this is the project that we're going to work on. There's one other thing I heard Mo say about when you guys were in high school that stuck out to him is you used to cruise around on hoverboards, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I got this hoverboard um, that was going into grade 12 and it was the funnest thing ever. So that was like right when they came out before anyone knew about like the whole exploding batteries or people getting injured from them. So I was just like ripping on them through high school and just like going through the halls, like doing all the stupidest things with them. And it was super fun. That's awesome. And then so ultimately when you decided to work on something, it was filmed. But at one point it's because you wanted to work on a photography app of some sort. So what was it about photography that just kind of drew you to it and made you want to design an app for it? Mm -hmm. I mean, photography has always been super duper like core to me because like, um, even my friends can talk about it more, but like, I've always been like the photographer of the group. Like whenever we have like a silly night, we do something crazy. I'm always taking like videos or photos of it. And I just love that aspect of it. Just the aspect of like capturing a memory uh, and then being able to store it on my phone and just look at, look back at it like two, three years later. It's just an amazing feeling. So I just knew that I had to definitely go into the field of like combining photography and technology together and then just doing some really cool things with it on the mobile phone. And then so eventually that's where this idea came from for Film 3D. That's hot. Did you have any ideas prior to Film 3D where you guys were just kind of like trying to come up with something different? Like any ideas that almost made it but didn't quite before filmed? Yes, yeah, so that's super interesting because when Mo and I first met up, so that would have been in around like March of 2017, we started working on a filtering app. So that's what we were going to like do first is that we were going to make this app that was going to have this really cool software that would really allow for film like uh, textures inside of an app. And then so we ended up building it, but then we didn't end up launching it. And then so it's interesting because that actually made it into Film 3D. So all the filters inside of Film 3D are powered by that original project. But um, yeah, that's definitely like where Mo and I got the gears grinding on building something really cool. So then what ultimately what made you settle on Film 3D? So this is the one where it's like, it's that one moment where you realize, okay, yeah, I definitely want to build this. And that was, um, that was with... I believe I was just like watching a Fido commercial and then there was this scene where these like youth were like running around taking photos and then there were these like moving photos and I didn't know what they were. So I ended up like reaching out to the Fido marketing team and I was like, what kind of photos are these? But they didn't have an answer for it. And then so I was searching, searching, searching for it. And then finally I saw that Kendall Jenner posted one of these photos and all the comments were like, what app is this? What app is this? What app is this? And I had the exact same question, but there was no app on the app store for it yet. So I got together with Mo and I was like, we need to build this. And then with his photography background, uh, we met up at like the Starbucks on campus. And then uh, he brought his, uh, he actually forgot his DSLR. That's the funniest part. And then so he only had his iPhone on him. So we tried it out on his iPhone, just taking a series of photos and doing all the editing around it in Photoshop. And then it turned out to be a really nice looking 3D photo. So what we ended up doing is we were like, all right, well, we're going to turn this into an app now. So did you guys just kind of get like right to it that day right there? Exactly. Yeah. So right after that meeting in the Starbucks, we booked a room in the library, went up and just started working on it. We worked on it for like many, many hours that first day. And then obviously many more afterwards. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere you're doing like 80 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Like in those initial stages and even now with like the V2 release coming out, it's like a very, very high workload in terms of just being able to get that proper product out. But then also realizing that it's just 
two of us that are doing everything essentially. So the marketing, the design, the development of it, and just everything around the aspect of the app. So how do you balance building an app, working 80 hours a week on it, plus going to school, plus I'm sure you were working a little bit as well at the same time. How do you balance all of that? Um, it's definitely just a matter of prioritization. It's like, uh, there's this really cool graph that I saw where it's you draw like these four quadrants and it's like, um, you have on one side like your high priority, high impact items, so that'd be like the first two. And on the other side, you have your low priority, low impact. And then so you just go through your day and if you ever have like a bunch of tasks, so in my case, it'd be like studying for a test or doing an assignment or like working on the app. So I'll organize everything into that format and that would allow me to really see like, all right, what do I wanna tackle first? And then yeah, especially nowadays, it's really, really focused on the app and then I do have to still make some time for school. But yeah, definitely uh, prioritization towards the app at the moment. So in, in that 80 hours a week time frame when you're working on the app, especially leading up into the launch, I'm sure developing it, writing all the code is high, high on the priority list, but what else goes into releasing an app that you guys are doing during that 80 hours a week? Like besides the development and design? Yeah. Um, definitely just a lot of strategy. Cause like, that's the one thing that we've definitely learned over the past year, like ever since launching the first version is that it's so much more than just like building the app and then having like, you know, the buttons to capture the photos and then, you know, sending off the photos to Instagram or something. There's so much more thought that goes into it. It's like, what's the experience that you want to build around the app? And that's definitely one of the things that takes the most time is figuring out the perfect experience. Like a button placement on the screen, whether it's placed at the top or the bottom can like drastically shift how the user experiences your app and how much easier the experience is for them. So definitely a lot of thinking around that. And then also um, just a lot of strategizing around uh, how we're gonna do the marketing. How are we going to set everything up in a way where we can build a real company out of this and like build it even bigger five, 10 years down the line. And that's also one of the hardest things, just being able to do like a lot of future planning. Mm -hmm. That's insane. So did you guys have a team at this point or was it just you two working up to it for the launch? Um, so for the first version, uh, we actually brought on a designer as well as a UX consultant. So a designer, shout out Novia, she's amazing. And um, a UX consultant, which was Alok. And so they were like a really, really good pairing because they just essentially built out the entire like uh, brand language for the app as well as like the design flow of the app. And then so that still continues to this day in version two. And then so yeah, so right now it's just me and Mo who are working on it. It's crazy. So back when you had people that were working on it, were you just kind of paying them out of pocket or did you have any form of investment or anything like that? Yeah, so it was just me and Mo just going out of pocket. Really? Mm -hmm. So like... How do you guys like mitigate that risk? Like, how is that something you're comfortable taking on? Um, yeah, I guess that's the main thing. That's the main thing in this industry is that like, there's no like comfort level. It's like you really have to be able to just go to a level that's uncomfortable because if it's comfortable, then it's not like a worth it thing to go after, right? And then so if you're uncomfortable, then you know that you're really onto something is what we find. So definitely it was a big risk to take because obviously you know we could release it out, and even now there's still a risk too. It's like Instagram or Snapchat could come out with a 3D feature tomorrow and then we'd have to find a way to pivot around it but it's just that risk that also makes it really really exciting to work on are you worried that that's something that will happen a hundred percent yeah like every single day we just think about what could we bring to the platform how could we energize our users how could we uh, diversify our platform even more just to um, really fend off any sort of competition and yeah we have some really exciting things coming out uh, in 2020 that's awesome you said that's that risk is that how you know what the idea you're chasing is worth it Mm -hmm. You also heard a lot in development that what you're doing, what you're trying to do is impossible. So how did you know that one, it was possible and why was it worth it? Um, yeah, so definitely that all really comes down to the team is that like when you have a really daunting task. So um, when we started creating the app, we thought it was going to be so easy in terms of you just take four photos, 
and then you have them all aligned with each other, just like how our eyes work, and then it'll make a 3D photo. But then, you know, it's like that whole owl problem of like, you know, you draw the first three lines and then you have to draw the rest of the owl. And that was the problem there is that it was super duper complex to not only get it working on the phone, but also to get it fast enough that it's something that people will want to use every single day. So, yeah, at like various stages of it, people were telling us like, this won't be possible. You can't do this. Um, there's no way you can get it running fast on a mobile device. You're going to have to put it into the cloud. You're going to have to pay developers to come and you have to do all of this. And then it just really came back down to teams. So like Mo and I knew our capabilities. We knew our devotion to the task and we knew that we could eventually get it done as long as we kept up the same energy. And then so that's what really led us to um, getting it out at the time that we did and that the quality that we did was just truly like believing in ourselves as corny as that sounds. No, I like that though. So how does the app then work? Like we're obviously giving away all the secret and everything of how it works, but kind of generally, how would you explain it to people how it works? Um, yeah, the best explanation that I go for is like to start off with the problem of like why we created it. And the whole thing behind that is that when you're like going around, you're having fun with your friends, you're experiencing new memories, you're seeing all of that in 3D. But then when you go onto your phones and you scroll through your social media, it's quick content consumption and also it's stuck to the planes of your screen. So there's no sort of depth to the photos or to the videos. So we wanted to find a medium that would allow people to kind of have those frozen moments where you could truly appreciate what was happening in a memory without being overly distracted and also while being able to have some depth inside of the image. So we realized that the best thing to do that would be to, much like how the original 3D cameras worked, uh, just mock exactly how our eyes work. So taking a series of images and then combining them over each other to create the illusion of depth. And then so that's exactly how the app works. That's awesome. And then ultimately you guys had a beta period right prior to the launch you were pretty secretive about it right like you only let people sign up through your instagram but you also made your instagram private at the same time right exactly yeah so that was a really cool strategy that one of our friends pierre showed us um where essentially what you would do is you have a private instagram and then you only let in like batches of people at a time and then simone and i had been like really really hyping up the app and everything on our stories on our personal instagrams etc and then so people knew that we were working on something, but they didn't exactly know what yet. So when we put up this page and we were gradually letting people in, it was just building the hype up even, even more. And then when we did our beta strategy, which was to only let in like a certain amount of people. And then it was a super, super fast time frame. And we're even thinking about some crazier things for V2. But um, yeah, like by having that sort of like constriction on it, then you really build up a lot, a lot of hype. And then that helps out with the launch a lot. Did, did the beta show you any bugs or anything you had to fix before like any crazy moments where the whole app crashed or anything like that oh yeah there's a really funny one uh, mo loves this story it's the sense of uh when we first released the beta out to like the initial core group of testers so there was a video and then inside that video there was a code that you had to type in to actually get into the app you know just adding on another layer of marketing to it and then i had a test video that i had while i was building out the app it was like a little oozy music video and then I forgot to swap it out before we put it into the hands of the beta testers. So what happened was that people started messaging us like, hey, I can't find the code in the video. Are you sure it's supposed to be this video? So I downloaded the version that they have and it's this little Uzi music video and we were like, oh my God. But yeah, so um, beta just showed us a lot of the different areas that we had to patch, how we can make it better. And we also got a lot of really, really valuable feedback because like we made sure to get a lot of people inside the beta that'd be able to give us like really good um, opinions on it. So people who use the 3D cameras before, people who are photographers, videographers, any sort of content creator. And you also had a slight issue the day you went to film the first commercial, correct? Oh yeah, so um, the algorithm wasn't working properly. And then it was literally as I was in the airport about to fly down to Toronto to do the shoot, 
where um, I ended up finding the fix for the bug, but it got pretty close. Like we were uh, actually even thinking about using a green screen on the phone and then replacing the images after production. That way uh, we could still meet our deadlines. But yeah, that was definitely a really close call. Mm -hmm. And then so ultimately, how did the launch go? The launch was really, really spectacular. Like it even blew my mind just essentially um, with how much support there was and like the retention is the big key there. Cause like with apps, it's one thing to get downloads, but the biggest thing is to have people coming back into the app more than once. And then so it was really cool just seeing that there was like a really high retention rate along with like a really high conversion rate of people like converting the app from the free version because the app is sold for free. And then inside the app, you have uh, filters that you can pay for. And then so seeing it go from free to paid, there was a super high conversion there. And that was really interesting to see. Was there anything from when you launched Celestial that kind of was able to carry over and help you when you launched Film 3D? Um, yeah, definitely that same strategy of being able to like hack the App Store charts. Mm -hmm. is like, although the algorithm was sort of different, we were hitting them with a lot more people this time. So we were able to uh, use the press strategy as well as the strategy of the private Instagram account going public and then everything else and just all the beta users posting the videos on their stories as well as even how we filmed the commercial. We got like a lot of um, really cool influencers down in Toronto. And then so we had them actually post the commercial up on their stories as well. And then so it all just generated a lot of buzz and then was able to do that same sort of top chart hacking that uh, Celestial had. And so for user acquisition, then was a lot of it driven through kind of like an influencer marketing strategy? Exactly, yeah. So um, it was a lot of tests in the beginning just to see like what would work out the best. Like should we pay a large influencer or should we go with a smaller influencer, like a batch of smaller influencers? And then so what we ended up figuring out is that the smaller influencers are actually better because um, people are, have like a higher trust in them. It's like the people who are following them are specifically following them for what they do. Um, and yeah, so it was super interesting to like come to that realization. So when we really started to like crack down on that, then it really helped our downloads go up through the roof. No, that's something I've heard too, that micro influencers are becoming more and more of the trend, especially now, just because people are realizing what you guys realized a year and a half ago is when the app launched, exactly, correct? Yeah. And then so additionally, I was curious about like, what, was it just influencer marketing though? Or was it like, were you guys running any paid advertisements like Facebook, Instagram ads, anything else? on? Um, so we hadn't actually started running ads until May of this year. And then so it was all organic, which was uh, really, really fun to see just like how that would continue on. And it also played off really well because as I mentioned earlier, like with the Kendall Jenner photo, there was all these people asking, what app is this? What app is this? With the 3D camera. But now when people see a 3D photo and then people can go in and ask like, oh, what app is this? Then we hope that we've set it up in a way where people will go and respond, oh, it's film 3D app. And then so that's also really helped out a lot. I also heard you explain, I can't remember if it was around the time of launch or recently, but it was that you guys want to be seen as a companion to apps like Instagram and Snapchat as opposed to a direct competitor. Exactly. Why was that an important distinction for you guys to make? Um, so it was just a matter of analyzing like our past competitors in the space. So uh, one of the big ones, which is called Photo. So it's like Photo but with three H's in it. So they were an app that uh, came out a while ago that essentially allowed you to take a video and then it would just bounce back and forth. And then so what they did is that they, from day one, launched out a full social network inside of their app. So direct competition with Instagram and Snapchat. And then what ended up happening was that uh, they saw like some Instagram executives start using the app and they're like, hmm, that's weird. And then eventually they saw Boomerang get released into Instagram. And then so that effectively killed their entire business model. And then everyone started using Boomerang instead of their app. And then so when we analyzed that, we were like, OK, well, let's not go the route of launching a full social network from day one let's learn a lot about how we can make this product different. So the best way to do that would be to launch out as a tool first, 
and then elaborate further and further as we uh, build out more versions of the app, applying the learnings of what our users are using the app for and what they want out of it, and then eventually maybe discussing the idea of launching a social network inside the app. That's interesting. And speaking of Instagram, I was looking at the Instagram for Film 3D, and you guys are about 15.7 thousand followers right now. Is all the content on there, is that user generated or is that you guys using the content and then posting it to the Instagram? Um, so some of it's, I would say most of it's user generated because people like send us in cool photos all the time. Like even today I was seeing some really amazing ones. And then um, some of it's like planted in by us, so photos that we take. But then everything is uh, shot on the app. Yeah, of course. And so I've, I noticed there's only like 44 posts in the last year and a bit. Mm-hmm. How come you guys don't post more frequently? Is that part of your strategy or just a bandwidth thing? Like you're so busy with a million things going on that Instagram is just one of those things that falls through. Uh, I wish it was some cool strategy. But yeah, it's definitely coming down to bandwidth. It's like a matter of um, we just have so much that we're working on and we definitely want to uh, compile up some more posts and put some stuff up. But on the matter of sharing uh, where our users capture around the world, we have some really cool things that we're going to be announcing within the next few weeks about how we're going to be tackling that. That's awesome. But even so, like with only 40, I can't, I think it's 44 posts. Mm-hmm. You still have, like I said, 15.7 thousand. So is there any like things you did specifically to grow it or was it all the way back from prior to launch when you were yeah. on a private account? I mean, I think the big root of it is just um, that whole idea of when people comment, like what app is this under a 3D photo and then people tag film 3D, then they see the post and then they're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to follow this account. And then somehow it's just been really, really growing it fast. Yeah, speaking of like people tagging the account, it's actually funny. A guest I had on the podcast recently, Stephen Van, did mm-hmm. a full video of like a six photo apps he like you absolutely have to like use. Oh yeah, one I saw them, that. Yeah, yeah, one of them being filmed through. I thought that was super fun. It's like that's just a small world. Like it's crazy. But speaking of Stephen, he's a YouTuber with over a hundred thousand subscribers now. But you've had some massive creators from what I've seen use the photo. You guys were with them and took a photo of them, like David Dobrik. Uh, what else I've written down here? Alyssa Viola. Like how, what's the story behind either getting those photos or them using the app to take those photos? Um, yeah. So for some of them, like uh, we'll just see the photo pop up. So it'll be like their photographer has um, like seen the app and then they'll end up using it like during a shoot, just like playing around with it. And then they'll end up like liking the photo and then posting it or like sending it to us. And then we'll get super excited that way. And then with the ones like David Dobrik and Alyssa Violet, what ended up happening was that, um, so like we'd be down in LA and then through just like some really great networking, uh, we were able to like get some events that they were at as well. And then um, it's just a really, really supportive community. Like they're just as nice off screen as they are on screen. And um, when we showed them the app, they just wanted to get photos immediately. So we took some photos of them and then yeah, the rest was history after that. That's sick. So when you say like now, can you give some tips for networking? Because I feel like the YouTube community in LA is very, for lack of a better, it's very gated, right? It's very hard to penetrate that. Everyone, from what my understanding of it, interviewing other YouTubers, is that kind of on the outside, when you come to LA, people have like their guards up. They have a very a vibe of like, you're trying to use me just because I have so many followers. So, like, what are some, like, how did you guys network and navigate that area, like that community and penetrate it? Yeah, I would say like the best thing to do in that scenario is just like, be super passionate about what you do. And then, I mean, it's going to sound super cliche but yeah as long as you're super duper passionate about what you do and people can notice that through your craft you'll eventually gain some sort of following like you gain people reaching out and then just building up through that network so it's like you're not going to get in day one and then um like instantly start like working with like these like big youtubers but i mean that also could happen 
But like the most likely scenario is that you're going to start off like with a friend and someone who like really likes your craft and they're going to show it to like another friend of theirs who's going to show it to another person and then eventually start forming like a friendship between that group. And then um, they end up showing it to someone who's directly associated with one of those like YouTubers. And then if they like your art as well, then they'll also just try to reach out and then learn more about what you do. And that's definitely one of the keys there. And then like the second hidden like uh, point within there is like don't even see it as like a, like networking or like so businessy, but just see it as more of like a friendship. It's like you respect their craft, they respect your craft, and then you just want to see each other win. And then so that's one of the main things there is like if you approach it like so serious and so businessy and so formal, then it's almost like off-putting in a sense. It's like okay, this is a business transaction, and then that idea around transaction in terms of all right, they're gonna get something from this, I'm gonna get something from this. And then it's just really a matter of making it more of a friendship, something that you guys can build off of and then keep growing over time. I think that's the key is making it personal because like you said, once it's businessy, it's transactional and it's not genuine. And you said that, you also said that when you met these people at some events, I saw looking at some of the photos on the film 3D page, look more like house parties. Is that the case or is it? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was from more recent ones. That was when we were in LA in July and then, um, one of our friends, Dom, he's uh, part of like that YouTuber vlog squad with David and all of them. And then so he said, oh, yeah, there's this uh, party happening out in Encino. Uh, you guys should pull up. So then I pulled up and then they were just there was some crazy stuff happening. There's people jumping off of balconies with like um, fireworks and whatnot, jumping into the pool. People trying to do dunks off of the roof of the house. And you could tell it was just like one big like uh, YouTube video shoot. And it was pretty amazing to see. But yeah, that's definitely where like. A lot of uh, those really cool photos came from. Does it, like, when in that environment, when it's like it feels, does it feel weird when it's a party, but it's also a big video shoot at the same time where everyone's got cameras trying to do content? Like, does it feel almost not genuine because it feels like everyone's there just for the content? Um, yeah, there's always that feeling where it's like, all right, like, is everyone actually having fun or are they having fun for the camera? But then, I mean, like, once they were done filming and everything and like the cameras were off, everyone was just having a great time conversing whatnot everyone was sharing their contact information just really growing up that network even more and it was just a super super genuinely good time which was like really nice to see because obviously I had the exact same thoughts upon arrival where I was like okay is this like a like clout thing or is this like a genuine party where everyone's gonna have fun and just really focus on getting some good memories but yeah it definitely turned into that after all the shooting was done and even during the shooting it was super funny there was like people moving around basketball nets setting up for the different uh, bits that they were trying to shoot and yeah, it was just a really fun time. That's awesome. And then, so is there ever a thought process for either Film 3D or even yourself to start making your own YouTube channel? Because you have this built-in network already that you could leverage in order to kind of grow a following on YouTube as well? It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Mo and I have actually started thinking about doing a podcast, maybe like mid-next year or something. Because we just realized that, that like, even with like a YouTube channel as well, is that like we have so many funny stories that we go through. And just like so many random situations that we find ourselves in that it would just be hilarious like we were wishing that for this year specifically like we had like a camera that we just always had on throughout the year because the content would have just been hilarious mm -hmm. do you want to give a little preview i'm putting on the spot a little bit here do you have one of those funny stories kind of that you could share right now as almost a preview for when you guys do drop that podcast a super super funny story um i guess one of them for example would be like when we were testing out the app and um, it was just released, like, so that was end of last year. And then um, Mo got the opportunity to do a music video shoot. And then so uh, at this music video shoot, there was like a super big uh, named rapper there. And then what we wanted to do is we wanted to capture film 3D. 
But then uh, we tried to think of a crafty way to do it. So what ended up happening was that Mo snuck me in as his photography assistant. And I didn't know a single thing about how to be a photography assistant. So like I was capturing film 3Ds, but then like when Mo was doing his actual photography with like Polaroids and stuff, I didn't know that you can't pull, pull like a Polaroid down on the table or like ruin the shot. And then so he took a really, really good Polaroid of this rapper. And then I put it down on the table and it would just like totally destroy the shot. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. But we did get a really good film 3D from the shoot. You can't put Polaroid, really? Yeah, so um, if you put it like face down on a table and there's like stuff on the table, then yeah, then it'll uh, mess up the developing process of the photo. That's because like, I take Polaroid shots of all my guests at the end of the podcast and I always put down, I never put a face down, but I also had one time where it's like early on I took a Polaroid and then you know how like they shake it in movies and whatever? Yeah. I was doing that and I had a photographer on my podcast. He's like, what are you doing? Like you can't oh, shake it. I just learned it. that recently too, that like, you yeah. can't shake it, which is funny. Yeah. I guess with that outcast lyric where they're like, shake it like a Polaroid picture, I guess that right? yeah. you have to redact that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. But I was going to ask too how you've got all these good things going on with film 3D. Things are going really well. But you literally came to this podcast from an exam. So yeah. <laughs> why are you still in school if everything is taking off in the business side? Um, yeah, I mean, with school, it's like there's actually been some really good classes within the program. So like things like linear algebra, for example, that came in handy when we were making like the original photo algorithm. Because like it's one thing to be able to create these apps, but then to actually make them fast and work really well. You do have to have that theory behind it. And that's one thing that like uh, you can't really replace easily without school is like being able to learn the math behind it as well as um, the optimization of these algorithms and making them super duper fast. And then it really becomes interesting when you start looking at uh, like the entire world like that. So seeing like your Instagram Explorer page, you start thinking about it in a different light. You're like, okay, I wonder what algorithms are using here. Um, they're performing super fast. They're being able to crunch all this data and then come up with like a profile around me. And then you kind of just learn all these cool tricks and then it makes you want to apply them back into the app. So that's definitely one of the reasons why I'm still in it. And then just also um, just get educated, get the degree. My parents are always super focused around just getting the degree. And then um, it also just serves as something nice to do while we figure out what we're doing with Modu. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So when you graduate, whether it be next fall, next winter, is a plan to stay in Ottawa and make Ottawa kind of the home base? Or is LA kind of a plan, maybe Toronto, like a bigger city? What do you think? Um, it's always to be decided because obviously with an app like this, the best scenario is to be placed in a city where um, the app can thrive. So essentially with this being a very, very creative app, we want to be somewhere where there's a very, very creative community as well as a good community of developers. So say if we ever start growing out the team and want to bring on some super talented people to just help us uh, attack our vision, then yeah, you definitely need the combination of both. So definitely like in terms of the Canadian side, Toronto, Montreal, huge options, but then on the American side as well, um, New York, LA, mm -hmm. obvious options. And getting to that point where you're building up the team, you're probably going to need investment at that point. Is that something you're looking at or even something you're currently doing right now? Um, yeah, it's something that we're definitely looking into. And then um, our main focus at the moment is just really on the product. So just making sure we have the best product out there. That way when we do start investing, it's not like a bandwidth split between, okay, we're investing during the day and then uh, we're working on the app at night. It's like we want to be able to take one and really attack it at full speed and get it done properly. Yeah, that's interesting. And then with mainly the focus of the podcast, usually social media. So I was curious as to why you guys are only on Instagram. Oh, in terms of our social media. Yeah, I mean, that also comes down to a bandwidth thing, but then it's also kind of a data thing. So we noticed that like our main export outside of the app and like we always cycle through, we've done different tests on like placing the buttons differently on the page. But our main export is to Instagram. So I'd say it's over like 80% of our exports go out to Instagram. So it's just a matter of really attacking the area where most of our users are. 
where they're interacting with our photos, where they're seeing our photos, where they're sharing our photos. And that means Instagram for us. Have you started to notice... No, I haven't, I've only played around the app a little bit just because it's been on my iPad. I don't have it on my phone. Um, is TikTok something that's starting to, you see more exports going towards TikTok recently? I haven't been able to put in something that I'd be able to see that, but that'd be interesting to see. Like I've seen it mentioned on TikTok, but I've never actually seen a film 3D on TikTok yet. And that should be super interesting. And speaking of not having it on my phone, is it eventually, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but Android, is that coming? I know it's basically from, I don't have a deep understanding of it, but it's basically like rewriting the entire app from scratch because it's a different language, right? Exactly. But that's also one of the very beautiful things about like how we built the app is that like one of the hard decisions was how do we want to build this? Do we want to build this in a way where we can quickly get it out on iOS or do we want to build it in a way where we can put it on iOS, but then also move it easily to any other platform that we want to? So we've done some really cool tricks that allow us to put the part that actually makes the photo 3D onto Android within seconds, but then it's just a matter of rebuilding the UI around it to so the buttons, the store, et cetera. And then, so yeah, we have an announcement also coming along in the next two weeks. So it's going to be a super big announcement about V2. It's going to talk about the release dates, uh, if we're working on an Android project, as well as um, just all the new things coming to the platform over the next few months. That's exciting. I was going to ask too about traditional media because I noticed you guys have done some like local TV appearance and stuff. So do you still think there's a value in traditional media? Um, yeah, there's always definitely a value in traditional media because they still have a very high viewership, especially like larger shows like Alan DeGeneres, for example, or like Steve Harvey, like they have viewers in the millions every single day and it's like direct tuned in viewers. And um, while that's being said though, I definitely do uh, like veer more towards like this Instagram side of things as well as like different social media just because it's so cool how you can just easily deploy out like one ad test and direct it towards one specific person and then just that maneuverability of being able to do that you know if you wanted to like 60 times a day just switching around the different ad copies and then really seeing uh, how it engages the users the most because um, that's something you can't really do with live tv is that like you're speaking out to a very broad range of people and you have to say a broad range of things and you hope that one of those things hits. But when it comes to advertising on social media, you can really just uh, laser focus it down to one kind of subset, like someone who likes photography and tech and they're in this age range and they're in this country and they have this specific kind of iPhone and you can do stuff like that and it's really cool. So like how contextual are you targeting your ads that specifically like and how are you making it contextual to each individual audience? Um, our ads are super duper smart now. It's like I absolutely love the platform in terms of um, what Facebook allows us to do and like uh, Mo would definitely be able to speak more on this but from the high level standpoint is like there's this cool new technology called um, look like audiences and that's where Facebook can analyze uh, the people who are already inside of our app uh, notice like what kind of traits they like, what brought them into the app, uh, who are the ones that are more likely to make a purchase inside the app, and build an entire profile automatically around them. And then all we have to do is just deploy it out to different countries, and then it's going to target those people in those countries and get new users just like the ones who are already using the app onto our platform. That's awesome. Like how much is like pretty much majority of your marketing spend onto Facebook and Instagram ads now? Um, still, no. It's actually surprising because I would say still two-thirds of our growth is completely organic. And then the other third comes in from Facebook now because we've seen like really good tests. Like we have a super low cost uh, for installs as well as really good conversion rates of the people who are coming in from the Facebook ads. Um, but yeah, definitely like want to explore it more into the new year. That's awesome. And I wanted to ask too, for people watching on video, they can see you're wearing a necklace that says Modu. Oh, yeah. Can you kind of explain what that means? Um, yeah, so this necklace uh, we got 
in advance of hitting 100,000 users. So we were like, all right, when we hit 100,000 users, we need something to signify it. And like, especially in the community that like, uh, we really do focus on with the app, there's like a lot of chains and everything like that. It's very like fashion and culture and arts driven. So we knew that we had to do a chain and it's cool because um, what people don't really see is that on the back, it says 100K. And then, uh, yeah, so it's really, really cool. I'm definitely going to frame this somewhere and, like, always just keep it on me because it was a really cool milestone to hit. It's just, like, two young kids from Ottawa taking something from our laptops and then putting it onto, like, 100,000 devices was just a really, really cool milestone to hit. But I've also heard, as crazy as that is, I've also heard you guys say that Film 3D is only the beginning. So you guys have some pretty big plans for Modu as a brand outside of just Film 3D? Exactly, yeah. And people ask us that a lot because they're like, okay, well, if... Uh, Film 3D is your primary brand, but it's released under Modu. And it's like, why don't you just name the company Film 3D? And that's the interesting part about it is because Film 3D is really just like a learning platform for us. It's like we always want to be learning about this new medium because it's quite new in terms of being able to digitally take 3D photos on your phone. And then so there's so much that we have to learn about it. And eventually we're going to be applying a lot of that. So it might not just be inside Film 3D. It might be more apps that come out in the future that tackle different areas of immersion as well. Um, but yeah, for now, it's definitely Film 3D. But we're super glad to have it set up that Modu can expand out to all these other things. So almost like how Google did with Alphabet, where it made Alphabet like the parent company and Modu is essentially kind of the parent company of a bunch of sub companies below that. Exactly. So like, what is your long term? I know you probably can't share too much or give too much away, but like long term, kind of what's your vision? Um, yeah, I guess the vision definitely comes into three parts. And it's like that whole idea of bringing it back to a memory. It's like right now, if you want to go experience a memory, you like pull up a photo, you pull up a video, and then you watch it on your screen. But I mean, obviously, as more of these devices become immersive, so we have AR glasses coming out, like Apple's rumored to be releasing some at the end of next year. And then you have all these other companies focusing on VR and AR. You can already tell that we're definitely moving more towards a world where uh, immersion is going to be a very, very day-to-day aspect of our lives. And then so it's really about changing the memory capture format over to that more immersive side. And that's really our end goal is like to be able to, like one, capture memory around you, uh, two, be able to look at that memory inside of an app, and then three, be able to share that memory around. But then also there's kind of an immersive layer on top of it where it's like in a true, true, true world, if Modu's really executing all of its goals properly, you'll be able to capture a memory and then walk back through it, let's say an augmented reality, for example. And that would be a really cool end goal to have. That's awesome. I like that. We're approaching the 45 minute marks before we wrap up. I have like a standard couple questions I ask everyone at the end of every interview, kind of like a rapid fire type thing. First one being you're going to dinner. You can take anybody dead or alive. You can take three people. Who do you take to dinner? Three people who I take to dinner. Um, Okay, interesting. Okay, so the first one, obviously, Elon Musk. Um, He's just a very, very interesting thinker in the sense that uh, he had PayPal, for example. Like a lot of people, like especially like in like mainstream, don't even like really know that that like he was one of the core people behind PayPal. And then so he tackled the internet payment industry that enabled out a whole new industry of commerce online. And then he started tackling cars and then tackling space as well. And it's like he just thinks really, really well and thinks well into the future about what we're gonna need in terms of uh, this like very, very fast evolving planet. And then so the second person. I would have to say, wait, so you said dead or alive? Yeah, anybody. I mean, just based off my own Apple fanboyness, Steve Jobs, for sure. Uh, That one explains itself. But then the third one is like the super interesting one. I would say Quincy Jones. And so Quincy Jones, um, for those people who don't know, is like 
a very, very large record producer. He's super successful. He was essentially, uh, he produced a Thriller album for Michael Jackson. But then people don't know is that he also had some really cool moves behind the scenes. So like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was the one who brought Will Smith in to audition. It was at his house and then uh, he produced the show. And then so just a lot of cool things like that. And like he's known for having these notorious dinners where he'll have like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, at the table, but then also Elon Musk there. And it's like he's known for just bring, being able to bring all these different industries and all the different heads of these industries into one room and then really fostering that conversation there. So definitely he would be like another really cool person to have at dinner. It's just really have those three there and then just get a sense of what's happening next, what's happening the next couple of years, five, 10 years, 100 years. It's interesting that he has, like, I asked this question as a hypothetical, but Quincy Jones is doing it in real life. I think that's super Exactly, cool. yeah. yeah. So when your alarm goes off in the morning, what motivates you to get up and out of bed? Um, yeah, okay, so I'm not even going to cap on this one. Me and alarms is terrible. <laughs> so these are all the alarms that I have up until 10. And then the reasoning for that is because, like, I'll just set them at really weird intervals. But then um, now I've actually gotten it down. Is like I'll just have, like, my blinds fully open. That way it's, like, in the morning sun comes in and then I'll wake up because yeah using the blackout shades I could sleep in for like three hours if I wanted to that's hilarious what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten some of the best advice I've ever gotten um definitely that would be from Harley so Harley is um the chief operating officer at Shopify and then so when I was like super duper getting into business I was thinking about a lot of different ideas for products that I could build and then, so some of them were really, really gimmicky. Like, it'd be, like, some jokey apps and stuff like that. And then, so when I would pitch them to him, uh, he had, like, a really key piece of advice one time where he was just, like, build something that really, really matters and has, like, a really good impact on people. And then, so I was able to really apply that to a lot of the things that we were working on. Is like, this is definitely a project where I see it having impact on people, changing the way that they experience their memories, allowing them to really experience nostalgia on their phone and just really trying to change the world as well as, like, having people go out and take more photos as well. Like you're doing some really cool stuff with that. And then, yeah, so that's probably the best piece of advice I've gotten so far is just to really focus on building what matters and building it well, and then making sure it has an impact. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? One thing about me that people wouldn't expect. Oh, that's a hard question. I think on this one for a second. One thing about me that people would not expect. Oh, um, I love learning everything as fast as I can. And it's like when I get into something, I will like fully immerse myself into it. So like, for example, with um, Film 3D, it's completely built off of computer vision, machine learning, AI. And then so I have all those classes next semester. So I haven't even learned it yet. But I was just so excited about tackling the app that I just went heads deep, uh, started learning as much as I could about it. And it doesn't just apply to software. It's like I really do love the entire aspect of it. So design as well. So even though we had a designer before, I really just wanted to take a stab at designing the app out myself. So I just went heads deep into that as well. Started looking at how our users were liking the original design, started looking at all these different inspirations, as well as just really learning how to build a design language around the app and going into that. And that could even be applied to marketing as well. So with Celestial, I taught myself everything about marketing. And then even with music, it's like the sounds inside the app, the stuff that's coming out in V2. I just really wanted to learn about it. So I guess it's the one thing about me where it's like a lot of people expect that it's like I just do development and I just do software, but it's like I love being a T-shaped person where it's like I have like a wide range of ways to learn different skills that I would love to learn and then just a direct way to apply them. 
for the last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question. But oh, it's not. But it's not to me. So picture you have a crystal ball. And you mm-hmm. could ask this crystal ball any question and you could get the answer to it. What is one question you'd want to know the answer to? One question I'd want to know the answer to. And it could be as sci-fi as possible. Anything you want. Are we living in a simulation? That's a big question. That's a big question. Yeah. That's a big topic. That's awesome. Well, on that note, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, man. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Where can they find Film 3D? Plug everything and anything that you got right now. Um, I mean, you can find the app on the App Store. It's Film 3D, F-I-L-M, the number three, and then a D, all in word. Uh, on Instagram, it's Film 3D app. And um, for me, my personal Instagram is Appdu. So it's A-P-P-D-L-U, apps plus Abdu. It's kind of corny. But love it. And then, um, yeah, I guess it's all of my social media. Like, if you ever have any questions about development or uh, just starting a business in general, it's always a super big, daunting task. I'm still learning new things every single day. Just uh, always feel free to reach out into my DMs and then just ask away. Awesome, man. Well, thank you once again for coming on the show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Everyone, do me a favor. Go and download Film 3D if it's on the App Store. And potentially, by the time this drops in January, maybe on the Play Store, depending on the big announcements that are coming up here shortly. And guys, make sure you follow Abdu on Instagram. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at my social life podcast or on YouTube by searching up my social life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.